Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show brought to you by our good friends at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, the best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drink, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. Six great flavors of slushies. Pickle bar led by the barrels and the dills. Indeed, second to none. Start thinking about stocking up for the four-day, 4th of July weekend. Well, that's on the horizon. It's next weekend. It's all at Brewer's Outlet. Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia. Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Our play-by-play call of the day. will face the Gators in the finals. A no-darter RBI's number 99 and 100 on the season. And Tommy White moves the Tigers into the championship. It's an all-SEC final, just what America wanted. Hey. Hey, hey. You want to know why? It just means more. Okay. Yeah. By the way, don't kid yourself. Every SEC team in baseball loses money. Okay. Do we have the king? We got him now. King. There you go. Well done. Yeah. What you guys doing? Well, I'm just hanging here till another game. I got another game tonight. Who are they playing? Got any good prospects? Um, they've got That's a few, <laughs> uh, a few good prospects. Um, I would say that there are maybe four to five good prospects on this team. Two of two of the five got hurt, so they're not here any longer. But I think they're draftable. Uh, so I'd say at least four or five of these guys are draftable. Three of the pitchers definitely are. Uh, and go from there. Um, so well, you See that pitcher for LSU? He yeah. averages like yeah. 99. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he. they think he might be the first overall pick in the draft. So. Man, he can throw. I don't know if he'll... You know, his arm will stand up to it for how long, but my right. gosh, he's like Nolan Ryan up there. Right. So, I'm enjoying yeah. the College World Series. I don't know. I Usually I get bored with it, but this is a good one. So I haven't seen the second of it. 
Yeah, I haven't seen the second of it, but part of that is working, and part of that is is doing games. I've had a lot of games this month, so I really have not had a chance to watch it. Right. Good teams. Really good. Florida State. No, play um, great level. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, Wake Forest is very good. Um, LSU is very good. You got LSU and Florida in the championship. So. Yeah. But LSU earned it. I saw what happened last night with LSU, and I've seen a couple other things here and there, like uh, Oral Roberts' run was fun. Um, yep. So, yeah, I've yep. seen a little bit here and there. Boy, the, the play the first baseman for LSU made last night was just, that was over the top. They, they bunted, and he grabbed it, and then went airborne and tossed it to the catcher and got the guy out at home. And it you know, any other time it was a really good play, but at that point, neither pitcher was giving up anything. And one run could have won the game. So, and they tagged the kid out at home. It was just a great play. It was a bang bang play. Uh, I like that stuff. So, you know, pitching matchups are kind of boring, but these, this last night was not boring. Both kids were so good. They were virtually both of them were unhittable. Oh, good, good players on both teams. That's great. Yeah, no, it's it's great baseball, and those guys yeah. eventually, with each team that is eliminated, uh, they end up sending more players into this league that I'm doing. Yep. So you know, for example, the the pitcher I saw last night was from the University of Arizona. Uh, I think a pitcher I'm seeing tonight's from the University of Texas. I mean, so, you know, I'm seeing more and more guys like that enter into the league. Yep. They said this year's World Series had the most pro contracts of any year. I'm, I'm picking a number. I think it's 20. 20 kids, yeah. you know, all the teams combined had pro contracts. So, or, you know, projected pro contracts. So, good stuff. Now, I have a question for you guys. What determines, like, there was a kid from Ellington, Connecticut, who was drafted in the first round by the Kansas City Royals and went there. And he's still basically in the instructional league. And would he be better off going to college? Yes, I think they would. But you know what? Well, here's what you don't know. What was his signing bonus? Seven million, he, and after then he, then he after made the everything it'd be like three and a half million. But see, I mean that's that's what got him to go. I mean it's the signing bonus part of it, and right. it's hard it's it's hard to look at that kind of money and say no. How about the team, like the Royals? How do they look at it? Well, you they know, look at the, it as like the, would the he seven, be better off in college, and we'll give him the bonus, but go to college. No, and, and grow uh, think, there as opposed to playing with adults. We'd rather have him in our system with us teaching him. Yeah, it, it, it's a, definitely with it. You're in or as, out, as opposed to giving him to somebody else and then having them teach him because their philosophy might be slightly different than yours. Right. When I was in high school, was one of my curious, teammates you know. was drafted by the Marlins. This was my 
uh, I want to say my junior year of high school, I think it was, sophomore junior year. Yep. One of my teammates was drafted by the Marlins, but he already had a scholarship to go to play baseball at Holy Cross. And it was the same thing. He was going to be at the time at, like, the the short A ball affiliate. Money wasn't that much. I don't even know if it was even guaranteed. And so, but he had to make a choice. It was either you stay with us in our system or you go play college and that's it. And he chose to play college. So, yeah, you're either in or you're out. doesn't matter what, what money they give you or where you are in the system. Just speaking from experience. Yeah. I just – it crossed my mind because I looked the kid up, and he's been with them now for three – he went in during the pandemic. So – and it was a big deal around here because of the big signing bonus, how much money he was going to make. And it really – with that pandemic, you know, it's kind of – I was kind of like it's, – it's a weird time, you know. You can dominate on a high school level right now. But I guess he's doing okay, but he's still in the instructional league. He'd be like 20, 21 years old now. So that wasn't really, I don't think he's advanced the way they thought he would. Yeah, we'll see. And the draft is coming up for baseball, and I've talked about this a lot in the last week to 10 days. Uh, This is in part because Henry Davis is now up with the Pirates. He was the first overall pick two years ago. He's out of Louisville, National Player of the Year, the whole deal. So in two years, he's now with the team. I in the first round of the draft, I there's no doubt in my mind. I wouldn't even think about a high school player. I'd yeah. be drafting college players in the first round because I I want to get somebody that's a great prospect that's a little older and a faster track to help me out as soon as possible. I will then start drafting high school players later on. Uh, Let's take a guy like, for example, uh, one of the top prospects, Marcelo Meyer, for the Red Sox. They drafted him out of high school, right? And they drafted him, I don't know, two years ago? I think he was in the same draft as Davis. Oh, it's a big deal now. He's up at Double A Portland. Okay, well, great. Double <laughs> yeah. A Portland, no offense, is still a long way away. I mean, it's... oh yeah, there's no comparison. You can tell the one in Double A who doesn't belong there. I used to go to a lot of Double A games, and well, you can AA... tell right away the difference. You know, well, Double A and... is the make or break. That's the make or break yeah. level right there. Yeah, you should go to double-A and dominate, you know. Uh, like, I don't belong here. I need to move, you know. Right. Not be a 285 hitter and a decent fielder and a nice player. You've got to be Jim Rice, you know. I remember right. watching Jim Rice and Fred Lynn here in Connecticut. Yeah. I was just curious with this kid from Connecticut because it, it, it isn't like Connecticut is a melting pot for baseball, you know. He's playing in a in a northern Connecticut league where he dominates. How does that justify a seven million dollar contract when you really haven't beat? Um, all he did was pitch against high school kids. Uh, you know, yeah, you can strike a lot of them out, but oh, I think well, I think a lot of good seventeen year olds can strike out a lot of high school players. That's, well, you know what? This is what's happening. You've got you've got people going in there, and this, they're looking at spin rates. 
and things like that. You know, yeah, what's I guess his he's fastball? a curveball pitcher. He's got a wicked curveball. Oh. You know, you know, is it this? Is this kid from East Catholic? Frank Mazzucato? Uh No, he went to what's his name? Frank Mazzucato. Frank Mazzucato. Yeah, he may have gone to East Catholic. Yeah, he's from Ellington, uh, but he may have gone to East Catholic. Yeah. That's a private school. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was That's first round rings pick. A bell. For, I mean, he was drafted number one by the Kansas City Royals yeah, two or three years pick. ago. Yeah, first round pick. Signed a three point five million dollar bonus. Yep. Uh, it was seven million. High school, by the time they did all this stuff, it came out to three and a half. So. Yeah. Um, look, they offer you three and a half million. I mean, you got to take look, the money. You know, you watch your mom and dad bust their butts their whole lives, and you made more money on Tuesday than they made their whole life. So he's the seventh overall pick in the draft. Yeah, seventh overall pick in the draft. He's now in Single A in the Carolina League, uh, playing for pretty good. I mean, that's a move up. Uh, He's playing for the uh, Single A Columbia Fireflies in the Carolina League. Um, so that's where he is right now. I mean, he's not very old. Um, I mean, you're talking about somebody who's 20 years of age, uh, right? So we'll see. We'll I see where he is when, he, when when he's 22. I mean, if he if the progression's right, he should be knocking on the door at Double A at the end of this year, if not playing in Double A next year. Triple A in 22, and um, at the age of 22, so. He would be in AAA in 2025, of the age of 22, and maybe be a late season call up at, in September of 25. Huh. We got one player pitcher for the uh, Cleveland Indians. Uh, begins last name begins with a C. Yeah, yeah, uh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah, he's, he's from, from East, East Windsor. East, East yeah. Windsor, yeah. Yeah, about right. two miles from here. Yeah. We'll take a break. Headlines in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Headlines. King, what do you got for us? Let's get it rolling. Okay. Will Aaron Rodgers play football this year, Stone? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've actually questioned that many times, even prior to this season. <laughs> Have you read or heard what he what he's in Denver doing? Yes, yes. Oh boy! Acceptance of psychedelics, and he claims that in his best year he was high on something. <laughs> he said he said the dumb people who don't want and think it's stupid are really the people who should be taking the stuff. <laughs> they want to make mushrooms legal. So whatever. It's the multi multidisciplinary association for psychedelic uh, studies. So yeah, that's that, right. Where if you're the Jets, you want your new multi-billion-dollar quarterback. That's where you want him right now. Did I not say <laughs> it would blow up in his face already? There you go. There you go. 
<laughs> Steve, what do you Only got? Only in New York. Exactly That's right. That's probably why he wanted to go to New York. There you, know? you go. There you go. Oh, wow, man. Wow. <laughs> Look, big building. <laughs> That's how he puts up with the New York media, maybe. Steve, what do you got? Joe Namath, only New York Jack quarterback to win a Super Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) I think I agree. That's probably how it's going to be that way. I'm telling you, this is going to blow up in the Jets' face. Oh, yeah. Everything blows up in the Jets' face. Backup quarterback, Babe Pirelli, has a ring, too. (laughs) (laughs) Take the cameras, go down, and... Aaron Rodgers is eating a bag of Doritos. You know, he's got the munchies. <laughs> he's smoking a joint. It's like, wow, this is great. Congratulations. <laughs> Imagine if he really did go to the Broncos. That was rumored a few years ago. Then this would be even be funnier. Oh, wow. <laughs> Mile high. <laughs> oh, boy. We can go on and on. Oh, oh. Rob Manfred... <laughs> Becomes New Jets owner, says uh, signing Aaron Rodgers, quote, was not the best decision. <laughs> Who said that? I'm making fun of Rod Manfred again. Oh, oh, oh. I know. Rod Manfred. Uh, yeah. It, it, they do it all the time, you know. But the Jets are actually have a lot of talent. It just can probably the most talent they've had in years. So. I don't know. They seem to always, like, you know, hike the ball and hit him in the butt. You know, <laughs> Mark Sanchez. They, everything's going well, and then it's not. So, uh, we'll see. Brett Tarve taking pictures of himself. <laughs> Crazy. They all seem to crash with the Jets. So. All right, what's your next one, King? Uh, more serious note, uh, I read something interesting this week, and it seems like it's going to come to roost. But is it better for Penn State to get rivalry teams against, such as West Virginia, such as Pittsburgh, or are they better off staying the route they are? Stay the course. I could you don't think the local stuff. rivalries are... No. Uh, It's interesting because, like they say, the local rivalries are actually better for the other teams, not necessarily better for Penn State. That's Maryland-Duke basketball. The Maryland fans will tell you, oh, our big rival's Duke. You talk to Duke, they're like going, they're the eighth game in the schedule. Okay, thanks. (laughs) Well, the, the, the author's point was Penn State does not really have a rival anymore that they play. Oh. Man, you just play who's in front of you that week. I don't. I, yeah, I, don't I know, worry but you know, stuff. rivalries: yeah. Yankees, Red Sox. Yuck! Yeah, as the Red Sox beat up yeah. the Yankees, the only team, the only team the Red Sox can beat consistently this year is the Yankees. Yeah, let's not go there. So. <laughs> anyway, I thought it was interesting. It uh, never. I mean, they used to always play each other: Pitt, West Virginia. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Right. But Penn State does uh, not need line, so. Rob Manfred gets Google Maps on phone to find Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> that is the third good one in a row right there. Watch <laughs> <laughs> him move the Jets to Oakland. That oh, man. 
Wow. That's a good one. Rob Manfred takes a pit stop, has a bream burrito at a gas station, goes to the bathroom two minutes later. He told the media, quote, that probably wasn't my best decision. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, I don't remember ever making a good decision. (laughs) 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 I'm ranking them. (laughs) He really is too easy. What are your best decisions? Can I get back to you on that? He's probably married and divorced. That didn't work. <laughs> oh, boy. <God. laughs> he yeah, is the gift that keeps on him. giving. Yeah. <laughs> All right, oh, guys. Well. Wrap it up in a moment. Final half hour here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports Domestics Microbrews. The best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. Pickle bar led by the barrels and the dills. Indeed, second to none. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury. The beverage supermarket. And we are in the... Sunbury Motors Studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. All right, final half hour. Let's talk about Lift for Life for a moment. It took place yesterday inside Haluba Hall. It was great to see... Brandon Short there yesterday. Tony Johnson came back yesterday. I did see Tony, as I mentioned to him. I mentioned to Tony, he says, geez, the last time I saw you was at Ohio State for basketball. After Penn State had won the game uh, by four over Ohio State, he came over to the booth after we got a couple pictures together. And Zach Mills was there yesterday. And it's been a while since I have seen Zach Mills. He looked great, by the way. But it was great to have all those guys back, and it was great. You know, Tony doesn't come to town very often anymore. Obviously, his family's not based you know, in Columbus. Um, but, you know, he came back. It was great that, yeah, like I said, I hadn't seen Zach in a long time. And uh, Zach looks very much the same. He's doing well, living down in Gaithersburg, uh, down in Maryland. And uh, it was great to catch up with both of those guys. Um Yesterday, along with seeing you know Brandon Short, you know Brandon's around this stuff all the time. He is fully invested in what's going on with with Penn State, whether it's athletics or in other areas, and he tries to be around as often as he can. It was great to have him out there yesterday. Uh, it gave the it was a it was the kind of event that was yeah there was. 
some weightlifting, some guys were catching punts. The same story with the young players, the freshmen were all with the uh, with the kids, the kids clinic yesterday, which was great. Uh, and everybody involved with that said that they could not um, say enough about how terrific the young people were with the kids. And this is, uh, I know that uh, it is the kind of event that I think gives people an insight into the young people on the team. It gives you an insight into the culture of the program. I know culture is one of those words that's used a lot. Um, and I will say this about culture. I don't usually talk a lot about it. And there's, there's some reasons why I don't talk a lot about it. I mean, there are some reasons why I don't talk a lot about it. And one of the, you know, because to me, it is something that you can be around it and you can tell when it's tough and you can be around it and you can tell when it's good and it's it's a judgment but it's a judgment based on feel and what I really like about this particular team is there is a genuine camaraderie with this team. Now, let's, you know, we'll get to the preseason. They start belting each other around. I mean, there are going to be some days where there's going to be an offensive lineman not enamored with a defensive lineman and vice versa. There's going to be days where a corner is not enamored with a wide receiver. It's just going to happen. There are going to be days where a tight end is not enamored with a linebacker. Okay? Because it's hot, you're battling, you're competitive. It's going to happen. But the key is is that you never let it carry off the practice field. Never. And I was around one team many, many years ago where they did let stuff carry over into the locker room, and it was not good. You know, that was, that was a team, but I've seen it happen. It's not good. I've seen a couple of basketball teams I've been around where it carried over into the locker room, and it's not good. But you look at last year's team football, last year's team basketball. Both of those teams were successful and very connected. Well, you're saying, well, you know, oh, they won. Of course they did. No, but you're going to remember, football lost a couple of games and stayed connected. In basketball, you lose double-digit games. You get to the NCAA tournament, still connected. They had a four-game losing streak, stayed connected. They had a four-game losing streak right? in February, stayed connected. But the fourth game they played so well at Maryland, Dick Girardi and I were walking up the hill to the parking lot at the Xfinity Center, and we both agreed, says, you know what? The next game's critical, but we both saw something today. Let's see if it can carry over, and it did. And then Penn State won three in a row, and then, of course, nine of their last 12. 
those teams you can tell in being around them that they are connected. I'm looking at this football team, and you can see how connected they are. There are people coming in from various locations. You have the existing unit that's already there. That's one. You have the freshmen coming in. That's the group, the first group coming in from the outside that joined that, okay, that joined the inside group. And you have the transfers that already have been in established cultures coming into your culture. Well, what do they add to it? How do they assimilate to it? And you can see Dante Cephas assimilates with complete ease and has respect. You can see Trey Potts assimilates with complete ease and has respect. You can see all that. Right? Alonzo Ford assimilates, but he's already drawing respect. Collins from Mississippi State has come in. He's drawing respect. Along with the young players, and there's enough of the young players that participate in the spring where they understand how this works. And I know I've had some interviews where I've been asked about the leadership part of it. And it may be a little bit different, but every single team has a different leadership style to it. That's because of the natural changeover that you have in college sports. So the strong personalities of P.J. Mustafer, Jair Brown, Sean Clifford, uh, Brenton Strange, people like that, they're strong personalities. Drew Aller, Bo Perbula have a little different leadership style because, you know, you have to be yourself, but they have a little different leadership style. Now, Singleton and Allen, they brought in a veteran there, Trey Potts. Right? Actually can work the other way where they can like pick his brain about life and how things are going. Cephas is a little older, but Keandre Lambert-Smith has taken a leadership role there. And we know about Theo Johnson. Everyone talks about his leadership aspect. Caden Wallace, you know, has been a leader on the offensive line. And he's been bringing Olu Fashionu with him. And look, Olu's a very soft-spoken guy. But what does Olu bring to the table? He commands instant respect because of performance. Devon Ellis is a vocal, outgoing leader at defensive tackle. You get to the defensive end, you got Adisa Isaac, and then, you know, who's got a little bit different personality than Chop Robinson, and then there's Denai Dennis Sutton and an older guy in Amin Vanover. So you've got already guys there that play off each other. Same thing at linebacker. You have a four-year player in Curtis Jacobs who plays at a high level and commands instant respect. Abdul Carter may be a guy that's a sophomore, but his level of play commands instant respect. He says something, everybody looks. And then Tyler Elson and Kobe King, where you're in the middle linebacking spot, you're going to take on that leadership spot. And Keaton Ellis, there's no question. You look at the safeties, he's the leader. And then Kalen King and Johnny Dixon at the corners lead as well, along with Daquan Hardy. Along with Daquan Hardy. And it'll be interesting to see how the freshmen assimilate. I was talking about K.J. Winston. 
who's now a, a sophomore in the program, and I always refer to him when I'm talking to groups, and I think I've even referred to it on here, as you know, he's out of central casting for a safety. Height. Okay. How cut he is. Ball skills. How he plays the run, how he plays best. Almost like out of central casting. Now, I haven't seen him play it down yet. But in terms of the physical part of it, Dakari Nelson, the freshman out of Alabama, <laughs> I had a chance to meet him and talk with him during the spring when he came in for one weekend. <laughs> Mature. And again, in terms of body type, out of central casting. But you can see how tight and connected this team is. The leadership is going to be different. But there are guys like Theo Johnson, Devon Ellis, Keaton Ellis, Caden Wallace, DeAndre Lambert-Smith, that are all going to fill that leadership spot. And let's face it, when you're the quarterback, it's automatic you have to. And I'll say this, Bo Perbula, you know, being a leader is, is, is natural for him. Drew Aller is a leader. He's always done it by performance, but it's taken a little more for him to, to come out and be that kind of guy, and he's been doing it. And he's been doing it because he knows, you know, and I think being around Sean Clifford last year really helped him. Being around Sean really helped him last year to understand how you need to go about this part of it. You know, how do you watch video? How do you get ready for practice? How do you practice? How do you lead? How do, how do you know when, when to say, hey, great job? How do you know when, when to give a little verbal? Come on, let's go. And I think that was beneficial to Drew. And every time Lift for Life happens, you feel like you're turning the corner and getting yourself closer and closer to training camp. But I felt like yesterday... That word culture was on display for the fans that showed up yesterday. It was on display for them to see. Okay? And uh, and you know, they saw how the players got along with each other. They saw how the players interacted with the fans. And I think everybody I talked to yesterday walked out of Huluba Hall with nothing but a positive attitude about what they saw from the players. Now, they're going to have to play. They're going to have to go through training camp. They're going to have to stay away from injuries. I always talk about one of the keys to training camp is do you have pretty much the same team at the end of camp as you started camp with? That's critical to getting you out of the gate. And then you're just going to have to take this 12-game journey Step by step by step. Kevin brought up about no about no rival. I could care less about that. I really could. You know, I know Penn State played all these Eastern teams for a long time, and Syracuse is going to be back on the schedule here in a couple of years. Temple's going to be back in a couple of years. They've, they've played Pitt. Now they're playing West Virginia. Rutgers is in the conference. Maryland's in the conference. You know, um... And, of course, at one point they played Boston College. But I'll be honest with you. Penn State hasn't played these teams year in and year out now for 30 years. 
They haven't played. They have not played these teams: Syracuse, West Virginia, Pitt, Boston College. All they haven't played these in thirty years on a year in and year out basis. Right? Okay. That I mean, that's I'm talking about. Okay. For some people out there, that's a lifetime ago. Okay. And in the conference. I, I just just give me the list of teams and let's let's just watch them go play. Just give me the list of teams. You know darn well that between USC, Ohio State, and Michigan, you're going to get two out of three of them every year because TV needs for Penn State to play two out of three of them every year, just like it needs Ohio State to play two out of three of them every year, and they need Michigan to play two out of three of them every year, and they need USC to play two out of three of them every year. I mean, TV needs that. So you're going to get that. Then how do you fill in the other seven games? You're going to get two of those three every year. So I'm not going to sit there and worry about, you know, whether you know there's some game on Thanksgiving weekend you want to play. Right? I just want whomever's in front of you Thanksgiving weekend, play them. And it may be somebody different the year after. I don't worry about that stuff. I mean, let's give Ohio State and Michigan credit. They've, you know, they've done something. You know, it's special. They've done something special with it. It's been great. Um, but until Michigan started winning a couple of games, it, the, the series between the two was getting to be uh, extremely not so special. And that's. You know, that's – so I don't worry about the rivalry part. I mean, do you need a rivalry with Rutgers? I mean, I don't care. When they play them, they play them. You need a – I mean, Rutgers is a bigger rival than whatever. Maryland, you know, Penn State, Rutgers, Penn State. I mean, like I said, it was like the Duke-Maryland basketball series. Maryland, Duke is what a rivalry. What a rivalry that is. You ask the Duke people, they'll tell you it's game eight. Okay. Rivalry has to be felt that way on both sides. We'll wrap it up in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Great to have Mike Mescal on the show today. I think I failed to mention to Mike that Roger Haddon says that he'll be the guy at the Wizards game wearing the Bucknell jacket as he gets traded there. There was a side note, too, to the Wizards that has nothing to do with Mike. It just has to do with the Wizards. You may have noticed that the uh, a group in Qatar, uh, Qatar, Qatar, I don't know. what's They played the World Cup there. Nobody still knows how to pronounce it. Uh, bought 5% or in the process of buying 5% of the Wizards, the WNBA's Washington Mystics, the Washington Capitals, as well as the cable network. And Ted Leonsis is the um, is the lead owner. It's actually 5%. The NBA had already anticipated foreign investment in teams, did it a while ago, so they actually have a rule in place that foreign investment cannot have more than 20% of a team and for the Wizards Mystics 
Capitals and the cable TV network, it is an investment of 5%. Uh, and you notice how Josh Harris, who's a multi-billionaire, owns the Sixers, the Devils, and now is in the process of purchasing the Washington Commanders. Okay. It's gotten to the point where only the biggest of big money people can own professional sports franchises, whether it's the Premier League, um, the NFL, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball. It's the days of a guy like Charlie Finley, for example, owning the Oakland A's, they're over. You have to have deep, deep pockets and probably multiple multiple investors to do it. And you're seeing now with this move by the group from Cutter that that's part of finding where the money is. And for the professional golf tour, we've been talking a lot about live. Well, as you heard the interview with Tony Knopf, there was a big concern that two or three more guys were going to be going to the Live Tour, and then they started looking around saying, can we financially compete with Live? Because if the Saudis have such deep pockets, for goodness sakes, that... The oil reserves are going to, won't run out for 221 years. Well, their money isn't going anywhere. Meanwhile, the PGA Tour kept looking around and thought, I don't know if we can financially compete. That became a problem, even though they're the more established tour. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet. <laughs> 